It's Monday, August 10th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The United States now has over 5 million confirmed coronavirus cases, and President Trump continues to field criticism for his response to the pandemic. In an effort to further the conversation on economic relief for unemployed Americans, the president has signed four executive orders that would delay payroll tax deductions, extend unemployment benefits at $400, have officials consider a halt to evictions, and defer student loan payments until the end of the year. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us to break down how the executive orders will work and how Congress is reacting. Next. Contact tracing was supposed to be one of the biggest tools in the fight to contain the spread of coronavirus. But many health departments across the country are losing the race to warn the contacts of COVID victims. City and county health departments say that they don't have enough money or staff to keep up with the surge of cases. On Alabama's Gulf Coast, the contact tracers are stretched so thin that they're telling people who get the virus to notify contacts themselves. The country only has about a quarter of the contact tracers that is recommended to be able to do the job effectively, not to mention the difficulty in getting some people to comply. Jamie Dowdell, investigative reporter at Reuters, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. He's going to go very rapidly through the courts. This will go very, if if we get sued, maybe we won't get sued. If we get sued... It's somebody that doesn't want people to get money. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Wanted to talk a little bit about the politics of coronavirus again with you. The U.S. just topped 5 million confirmed cases. Uh, A lot of people have criticized the president uh, for saying, you know, politics first, science second, economic recovery over public health. Uh, This thing will go away, blaming it on China. There's a lot that goes into the administration's response to this. That's right. We're seeing cases continue across the country. Hot spots that had calmed down that are getting hot are newly getting hot. So it's really just a disease that we see is not going away anytime soon. The American people were sort of optimistic, I think, in the beginning that the containment efforts would allow us to do what we've seen in Europe, which is really get cases down to a pretty low number and then return to normal. And when that couldn't happen, what we see is the American, many American people, not everyone, saying like, we have to do something to get our economics back to normal. It's really become politicized. It's become a political debate about what people think we should be doing. It's quite complicated and, and it's not going away anytime soon. Some had hoped that this summer uh, when people went outside, when it got hot, when the sun was shining, would sort of slow things down. Uh, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, we won't know. But a lot of concern that as we get into fall that we'll see cases go up at an even faster rate. And one of the political debates going on right now is what to do with economic relief. Obviously, Congress was debating all last week. Everything fell apart. Nothing went through. So over the weekend, President Trump signed these four executive orders to provide this additional economic relief. I think one was an executive order. The other three might have been memos. But still, you know, there's a lot of questions about constitutionality, a lot of stuff. One of them was delayed payroll tax deductions. That's right. So as you said, Congress hit this uh, impasse. Uh, it was a big week for me because after 141 days, I left my house to go to work for the first time to go to the Capitol <laughs> right. and cover these talks. So they they really were stuck. And so like you said, the first one is this idea of payroll tax relief. This is really kind of unsure how this will work. The president said it was for people making less than $100,000 a year. 
the payroll tax is what is used to fund Social Security, and he doesn't have the power to just stop it completely. So what he's done is said people can defer their payments um, till the end of the year. So your employer doesn't have to withhold the tax or pay the tax because they'll wait until the end of the year to pay it. And what's unclear, though, is that are are this going to result in people ultimately not paying the tax ever, having Congress come back and forgive this payment? Or could people see a big tax jump in a few months? Or do employers just keep withholding it because there's no guarantee that they won't owe this this money at the end of the year? Yeah, there's a lot of questions with that one. Unemployment aid uh, to be extended at $400. This is another tricky one, too. Uh, There's more than 30 million people on unemployment right now. I think he wanted to tap into the disaster relief fund for this money. And then the trickiest part, the government's going to pay $300 of that, and then they want states to pay $100 of that. And states are pretty cash-strapped right now. Uh, They don't even know if a lot of states would be willing to pay that part of the money. So that's another difficult one. Absolutely. And, you know, most of your unemployment benefits before it came from the state. So the states are already paying unemployment benefits. And there was the $600 a week that the feds tacked on top that was meant to help people who were out of work to keep the economy afloat and to incentivize people to stay home because they didn't want people out looking for jobs at the height of the pandemic. Trump wants to sort of cobble together the solution after Congress couldn't agree. Democrats wanting $600 a week for the rest of the year. Republicans wanting to cut it down to maybe $200 a week. Like you said, the states don't have money. If people aren't out spending money, they're not paying sales tax. They're not paying the other taxes that the states normally collect. They're cash strapped. And we expect there to be lawsuits over this. The president might not have the authority to have done this. So if you're a state, how do you start handing out this money if it gets tied up in the courts or there's uh, no certainty where it's going to come from? So this is one that I think a lot of people who might have had some moments of excitement on Saturday when the president signed this might find that their unemployment checks don't go up in the next week or to. The third one is he wants top officials to consider halting evictions. It's not a total ban on evictions. So, and this is one that even House Democrats thought he did have the authority to extend an eviction moratorium through the end of the year. However, he didn't go as far as they even thought he was going to go. And Democrats' criticism is that, sure, you can you can halt evictions, but people are still going to owe their rent. And if there's not some type of rental relief or way for to help people cover the cost of that, then once that moratorium ends, we're going to see a wave of evictions uh, that could just roil the economy once again. And the last one, student loan payments are going to be deferred until the end of the year. Um, They're waiving the interest on the federal loans. Everything's delayed until the end. But the big question after that is kind of what happens next? You know, do Democrats file lawsuits? Then they're kind of caught in this pickle where they're saying, well, we don't want to extend the unemployment benefits. You know, it's like this weird game right now that's going to be played this next week. And we could also see them keep negotiating with the White House. Um, This could be viewed by those negotiators who hit that impasse as uh, sort of just a a means by the president to push them a little farther. So it's possible we could still see them strike a deal by the end of this week that would replace these executive orders and remove all the legal and and funding questions from them so that people actually can't expect to get the money that, that they've been told this week they were going to get. But there was a lot of reaction on Capitol Hill. I know Democrats were saying a lot of it was unconstitutional. Congress has the power of the purse with all of this. They were pretty angry that the president went through with some of these actions. 
That's right. And and that was expected. I don't think that alone would stop negotiations. But we heard criticism from both Democrats and Republicans who are unhappy and expect to hear that a little bit more as the week goes on. But we could still see either publicly or, or behind closed doors some type of negotiating happening. And real quick, just at the very end, we were supposed to get the announcement for Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. It didn't happen. When are we going to expect it? He's told us now they expect maybe by the middle to end of this week. However, it could be as late as the start of the Democratic Convention, which is August 17th. But that's a hard deadline. So we're getting close. The right. the, the, the choice is in sight. <laughs> I felt like they were going to kind of wait to roll it out then. But, you know, they got to get it done before just to kind of get the excitement going for the conventions, which are going to be virtual. So it's going to be tough for all of that. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Despite asking the state for money from the first round of COVID funding, the state said we just can't do this. And as of now, most of the local health departments in that state haven't received any funding at all to help them with this. Joining us now is Jamie Dowdell, investigative reporter at Reuters. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Thanks so much, Oscar. Wanted to talk about contact tracing and how hard it is for lo- many local health departments to keep up. We've all seen, obviously, that the cases of COVID-19 are increasing, and it just makes contact tracing so much harder. Just to kind of remind everybody, when the pandemic was in its early stages, everybody was saying, well, contact tracing is going to be such a huge thing because it's going to help us keep track of those that get infected and people they might have come in contact with, everybody can quarantine and there will be no spread or hopefully will be less spread. But this thing has just gotten so out of control. There's no money in local health departments to keep people on staff to do it. There's just so much going on with this. So, Jamie, you guys looked into a bunch of local health districts to see how they were doing with their contact tracing efforts. Tell us a little bit about that. So one of the things that's really interesting with the situation is that contact tracing is one of the foundations of public health and disease management. It's nothing new. It's been around for a long time. And as you mentioned, it's important to combating COVID was stressed early on in the pandemic. Government said we need to get lots of people on the ground doing this. And despite the federal government saying it, despite state government saying that, we're finding that largely the local health departments, the ones that are the people on the ground that are actually having to conduct this work, have had massive issues. And so we wanted to take a look at that. We did that in a few different ways. We follow a specific contact tracer, speaking with them every day for weeks at a time. We talked to officials, administrators of local health departments, and we put out a survey of local health departments across the country. And that survey was incredibly telling because the departments that responded, we had more than 120 local health departments from across the country to respond. And some very common concerns included issues with staffing. A lot of them, they're not able to hire new people. They don't have the bodies to do it. And so they're getting redeployed staff from other areas of their departments. They're getting basically volunteers from other parts of the government to come and learn how to do that. Some are not getting any money at all. The state of Missouri was really interesting because despite asking the state for money from the first round of COVID funding, the state said, we just can't do this. And as of now, 
most of the local health departments in that state haven't received any funding at all to help them with this. And as you said, the cases are soaring. So what we're seeing is a lot of frustration. They want to do this work. They see the importance of this work. And a lot of contact tracers and administrators told us that this is a worthwhile endeavor. But then at the same time, They're just being outstripped of their power to keep up with this. And it's gotten so bad that there's a county in Alabama, Mobile County, Alabama. They're stretched so thin that the local health department there is telling those who test positive to notify contacts themselves. That's how stressed out they are that they know they're not going to be able to keep up or be able to do the workload. So they're saying, hey, can you just please help us by doing that even? You know, it's almost laughable in that sense. So you did get a lot of responses from big health departments in big cities like Minneapolis, Boston, Cleveland, and a lot of smaller ones too, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. Dare County, North Carolina. So there's Mm -hmm. a a big range of responses that you got. Take us through a typical day for a contact tracer. And I think one of the ones that you profiled was a former librarian too. Kind of going off of what you said, that a lot of them are just being redeployed from other city agencies or something else just to help out with these efforts. But they're doing long days. They're hoping they can reach, I think the number was 75% of people who have contracted the virus so that they can do the proper techniques that they need on the contact tracing. But some agencies are hitting way below that, 40% or even less. What's interesting is kind of some of these personal stories behind the contact tracers. We followed a woman in San Francisco who was a librarian. And she basically was trained to become a contact tracer. And she became so key to that, that she ended up becoming a supervisor. And so her day, she has to dole out who everyone calls. And it was really interesting because it used to be in the beginning, like she'll have to do part of her work will be the library. And then part of her work is contact tracing. But now it's all contact tracing. There's a woman in Michigan. Her name is Karen Cordobine. Really fascinating story there is she's a veteran nurse for the Berrien County Health Department there. And that contact tracing is something that she normally does as part of her job, but it's not a full-time thing. But then in COVID, they started hearing reports that a gospel singer, Sandy Patty, had had a concert in their county and Sandy Patty had tested positive. And so I believe it was a Saturday or Sunday, all the nurses for the county came into work and started tracking things down and figuring out getting people who'd attended the concert and through the contact tracing, they found their county's first positive cases. And so what she did is is after that, she and the other tracers there, they staff that county every single day. The county is open, even though typically it would be closed on Saturday and Sunday, but someone's covering it. And I spoke with her every day for about two and a half weeks. And one thing I, I think that we think about contact tracing as something that's important to protect the public, but this is also tough work for them because they happen to be talking to these people and they may talk to a person that ends up dying a week later. And, you know, Karen, she told me that one day I talked to her and she said, I had COVID dreams all last night. I just couldn't sleep. And so, I, you know, there are other struggles that they're going through as well even when it works really well. And and in the case of San Francisco, they're having great success. And in the case of Berrien County, they're having success too. So there are some areas that are finding success, but largely what we were finding is, you know, a big struggle to hit those targets that you mentioned. And so we found 40 of the departments who responded, we called them like large based on the size of their cases. So we had 40 departments that had 
1,000 cases or more. And of those, about half were able to reach nearly all of the people. And as we mentioned, 75% is the goal. And so they're just not hitting their targets and that, you know, there's frustration all around. Yeah. And time is of the essence with all of this. You have to find the case as early as possible to get them to quarantine, to get other people they've come in contact. If too much time goes by, it becomes useless at that point. And that was some of the other stuff that you were finding too. I, I, we talk a lot about testing delays. And testing delays also hamper the contact tracing effort. If a test comes a week later, I mean, that's a week of exposure that a lot of people could have had in the meantime. And I just wanted to add on real quick about some of the difficulties that a contact tracer, a person actually doing the work, has. When it works well, that's great, but sometimes people don't want to share their personal information. They don't want to share who they've been around. They'll yell at a contact tracer, you know, get out of here type of thing. So there's difficulties all around on that. I did want to talk about funding for contact tracing because we know that Congress is debating a lot of this right now, how much money to allocate for this stuff. As with everything, it's a big fight. Republicans want to offer a little less money. Democrats want a ton more money, but these states are so strapped for money and staffing, they need it to bolster these efforts. Right. And so what we talked to officials at the Department of Health and Human Services, and basically what they're saying, what they told us is that the federal government has given all of this funding. And what we've been told is that the states have the money, but they're just not spending it. It's just not being drawn down. And so we've actually seen that specifically in Missouri. What we saw is the CARES Act funding, which you know, one of the issues is that none of the money that's been given out is designated specifically for contact tracing, right? It could be used for testing. It could be used for contact tracing. It could be used for other things, but there's nothing designated just for that. And so in Missouri, the CARES Act money, it goes to the state and the state distributed it to the counties and the county commissions. And so local health departments in Missouri have to then go to their county commissioners and apply for the money. In some situations, they were just denied. The county wouldn't give them money. Um, In other situations, it has been approved, but they have to do it on a reimbursement basis. And so, you know, they spend the money and then they submit receipts and then they might refund it and they might not. And so there's a lot of fear that these health departments just are going to run out of money, essentially. Um, And we were told that some are really, really worried about that. And so the funding varies from state to state on what is happening, but there are some real issues. And the bottom line is it is a major concern for the local health department. So even if it's being said that the money is getting out there, they're reporting to us that they're not seeing it. And that's why we've done a lot of stories on the podcast too about states calling for some type of national guidance or infrastructure to get a lot of this stuff done. They're largely left to themselves and it's so decentralized certain points, it makes sense because things need to be local and handled locally. Mm-hmm. But I know states have been clamoring for some type of big national effort to coordinate all of this stuff, allocate money and resources and really help out. So it's a difficult job, as we've been talking about, and states are having a hard time getting the contact tracing efforts to be effective just because the cases are going so high right now. But we'll have to keep monitoring and, and seeing what's going on there. But it's a great look into all these health departments. So I suggest everybody go out and read the piece by Jamie. Jamie Dowdell, investigative reporter at Reuters. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much, Oscar. That's it for today. Join us on social media 
at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.